Come gather, come gather, friends, close by the fire, and hear of a wondrous tale. Of goblins and elves and miscoated dells, and heroes who strive to prevail. Our hero is stranded in a strange wooded land. Her possessions have all disappeared. Her dearest goat friend is nowhere to be seen. It's the absolute worst of her fears. You're listening to Alley Odds and the Alley Odds Squad by Leona Cara. Chapter 3. Adventuring is Hard. Everything was gone. My money, my dagger, my food, my flint and steel, my water skin. Everything but my sleeping roll and the tales of Galena the Great, which I'd use for a pillow. Joe and Graham, they, they couldn't have. They wouldn't have. I put a hand over the fire and determined that it had been out for hours. The ashes weren't even slightly warm. No, no, no. We were, we were friends. I trusted them. But my heart couldn't deny the evidence before my eyes. Joe and Graham had lied. They'd betrayed me. They'd taken Granbauer, and they'd left me in the woods to die. Oh, no, 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 no. I'd never been betrayed before, and it was really uncomfortable. I thought I'd felt anger before, but all the anger I had ever experienced in my youth felt like a mere pimple compared to the steaming caldera of rage that I felt welling up inside me. Oh, this rage was deeply tied to a medley of grief, sadness, and shame. How had I fallen into such a trap? Why hadn't I seen it coming? I'd lost everything, and I'd lost Granbauer. Tears of anguish and hatred rolled down my cheeks, and I sat down on a rock and cried for several minutes feeling defeated and helpless. I was shaping up to be a pretty poor adventurer. Maybe it was time to go home. No, but, but the thought of returning home without Granbauer was unbearable. No, they, they weren't going to get away with this. Who no. Okay, sure, I was naive, I was vulnerable, and now penniless, but Joe and Graham had messed with the wrong weirdo. There was no way I was going to leave Granbauer behind. I would track them down, and I would get him back. With that resolution, the fear of being lost, broke, and alone dissipated a little bit, and I was able to think clearly again. All right, okay, navigation. North is, where's the sun? Uh, That way, okay, so we came off the main road from the north, so all I have to do is get back to the main road, and then once I get there, well, one step at a time. I packed up my bedroll and the tales of Galena the Great, and headed north, my heart feeling raw as unboiled tripe. It took hours. Hours. I don't, I don't even know how many. But enough to make my stomach cramp with hunger, and for thirst to divert me from my course in search of a creek or a stream. Worse still, my moon blood arrived, which is really just... just the nicest little touch of joy on an already super-duper day. I was forced to gather moss to stop the blood from staining my new trousers, and it was a generally uncomfortable experience in every way. Near dusk, 
I caught sight of what appeared to be a road, though not the main road, but a real road nonetheless. I suspected it was the road we had departed for Graham's shortcut, and figured that if I went back the way we had come, I'd be able to hit the main road back towards Derry. So, I kept walking. Hour 10, hour 20, I don't know. It didn't really matter, because I didn't really have another choice. The waning moon was high in the sky when I felt that I couldn't take another step. I had found the main road, but I'd seen no trace of Joe or Graham, or anyone else, heading in either direction. I decided to camp out near the fork, in case someone came by, but I elected to forego a fire, in case Joe or Graham or other foul folk were about. A bit before dawn, it started raining. I wrapped the tails of Galena the Great in my bedroll, and tried to stay dry beneath the branches of an oak tree. But as none of the leaves had come in yet, it was a poor shelter at best. The sky lightened into a somber gray, and I debated on whether I should continue to walk and find someone who could help, or if I should simply stay put on the side of the road and wait until someone found me. Absolutely every speck of me felt wretched. My resolve to find Granbauer had become the mere resolve to stay alive. And even that felt like pretty weak motivation as I shivered and shook, soaked to the bone. But I decided I'd walk, at least for a bit. I could decide to stop walking if I wanted to, but I figured that if I was going to be miserable, I might as well be miserable and productive. Cold, hungry, and tired, I pressed on towards Derry. The tales of Galena the Great pressed to my chest inside the bedroll. It gave me strength to think of how much worse Galena the Great had probably suffered. I thought of how hungry and tired she must have been on long journeys to fight ogres and battle rockworms of the deep. So many people had survived so much worse. War, famine, oppression. I had gotten myself into this situation, so I didn't really feel like I had the right to complain, as miserable as I was. As I brooded about misery, the pounding of horse hooves approached me and I looked up to see a dozen horsemen galloping towards me. A bannerman carried a trailing flag of light blue, with an indigo bird in mid-flight, and as they drew closer, I saw the horsemen wore emblematic armor with the same bird stitched into their leather tunics. I realized they were a town guard of some sort. Halt! Oh, hello! Halt, citizen! The request seemed redundant, as I was already stopped, and was struggling to even maintain a standing position. Have you seen or heard news of these two bandits? We're afraid they're at large in this area once again. The guard held out a cloth with crude drawings of Joe and Graham. <sighs> yep, I'm afraid I have. When? Where? Yesterday. I helped them unload a cart full of clothes and, and jewelry and stuff. Aha! So you're the accomplice. Witnesses reported seeing a young woman aiding them. Oh, no, 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 no. They, they stole all of my stuff, too and left me in the woods to die. Sounds like them. But you helped them to remove goods from this cart. Yes, but but I thought it was their cart. They lied to me. Listen, I, I am really tired and wet and cold and- Did you hear this, George? Looks like we have an accomplice on our hands. No, no, you're not listening. I didn't help them steal stuff. They stole my stuff. They, they stole my best friend. But please, I, I am hungry and exhausted. <laughs> I need help! Sounds like you've been doing a lot of helping to me. What? No, no, I, I didn't help them. I mean, not on purpose. 
please, can you help me? I am, I am tired and lost and I'm hungry and they stole all my money. Sounds like the normal sob story we get from thieves. Oh, I didn't want to steal it, but I'm poor and I had to. What? No. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to steal your shiny money. I just like shiny things. Right, well. Oh, oh I'm not a thief. I'm just a person with a lot of things that aren't mine. Yes, George, we, we get the point. Oh, oh, it, it was just me borrowing it forever. George, control yourself. Sorry. Well, Missy, thief or no thief, you'll be coming with us. The guard named George dismounted and approached me with a length of rope. Hold out your hands. That's really not necessary. Best for us to keep your hands where we can see them, so they don't go thieving no more. I'm not a thief. Right, and I'm not a town guard. Frankly, I'm surprised they allow you to be. What's that you said? I said it's as plain as could be. <laughs> right, get on the horse. I needed George's help to mount the horse, what with my hands bound, and I struggled to keep my hold on the tails of Galena the Great as we rode. George was a rather smelly, sniffly man, and his reek was altogether too close to mine. But, exhausted as I was, I was grateful to be spared further walking. We rode long enough that my butt got sore, and after an hour or so, we approached the city of Derry. A real city. Just as Dolfries had made Fribbleshire look tiny, so too did Derry make Dolfries look like a speck of sand beside a boulder. We passed beneath a large corbelled gate, and onto a long, wide dirt road that had wheel tracks carved into the mud in every which way. People lined the streets, holding baskets, children, and goods, and many stared up at me on the guard's horse with a look of curiosity and scorn. We passed by merchant stalls where farmers sold grain and produce and meat and spices and passed shops of all sorts of handicrafts. The clang of a smithy rang forth as we approached the flank of a large stone castle in the center of town, and the smell of their fires nearly choked me as we passed beneath the portcullis of a guarded gate and into a stony courtyard. Down you go, miss. George helped me to slide off the horse, and I noticed a deep brown stain on the saddle where I had been sitting. <laughs> I sighed and said nothing, too tired to be embarrassed. He then led me through a heavy wooden door and into a torch-lit hallway inside the fortress. The hallway was lined with doors, and looked not unlike the hallway of an inn, albeit a darker, colder, less hospitable inn. George stopped before one of the doors, took out a ring of keys, and unlocked it. I looked into the tiny room and felt tears forming in my eyes. He unbound the ropes on my hands and gestured for me to go inside. I obliged. Any idea how long I'll be in here? No. Uh, can I at least get some food? I'll see what I can do. Oh, and I'll be taking those. George held out his stubby hands and proffered to the tales of Galena the Great and my bedroll. No, they're mine. Prisoners can't have nothing in this house. Protocol. But it's a it's a book. I'm not going to do anything with a book besides read it. No arguing, miss. Hand it over. No. It's the only thing I have left. It was a gift. Not another way to say you stole it. No, I, I haven't stolen anything. Right. Well, then you should have nothing to worry about, and you'll get your pretty little book back soon enough. Thief. No! Gah! George snatched the book out of my hands and closed the door in my face. I heard the lock click into place, and I kicked the door and pounded on it with my fists. I was fuming, and I was exhausted. I collapsed on the floor and let my sadness take over. 
prison. Well, at least it was dry. Miss? Miss? Huh? What? I had fallen asleep. A different guard stood in the doorway with a wooden bowl in one hand and a bundle of cloth in the other. Here, some food and some dry clothes. You looked awful cold when we brought you in, so I rustled up an old skirt and tunic from the pile of stuff we take off the dead. He stepped into the room to hand me the clothes, and I took them with apprehension. But dead people clothes or no, they didn't smell any worse than my own garments did at that point, and they had the distinct advantage of being dry. The guard looked at the clothes I was wearing and saw the stain of my moon blood. <gasps> Are you injured? No, no it, it's my moon blood. I'll just use some of this cloth. Oh. He eyed the spot nervously. It was always funny to me how men recoiled from something as normal as blood. Eh, he shook himself and continued. <laughs> anyway, here's some stew for your aching belly. Don't think no one was listening when we stopped you on the road. Now get some rest. They'll want you for questioning in the morning. Why are you being so nice? Well, you're still a person, even if you are a thief. You doing wrong don't mean I can't do right. Good night. Wait, what was your name? Reggie. Why? Thank you, Reggie. You're welcome. I ate and changed my clothes, then slept fitfully on the pile of straw in the corner of my cell. I woke long after daylight had broken through the small grated window, and a wave of helplessness washed over me. How was I supposed to save Granbauer when I was stuck in jail? I had been wrongfully imprisoned, and the chance of saving him was growing slimmer by the hour. I was frustrated in a way I had never felt before, yet I also felt strangely grateful to have a safe, dry, and private place to be while I gathered my strength. The last two days had been exhausting to the bone, and I wouldn't be of any help to Granbauer half-dead. So, I fell in and out of sleep, puzzling how to rescue Gran between snippets of dream. After a few minutes, or an hour, or a day, the cell door creaked open once again. Morning, miss. Here's a bit of bread to take off the edge. Then we best be off. Reggie brought me to a richly decorated room where a sharp-featured woman with graying hair sat in a wooden desk. She had an air of authority unlike anyone I had ever met, and the guards were stationed beside her and by the door, including the rude one, George, who'd taken my book. I glared at him as I entered the room and followed Reggie to the desk. The Lady Lutrec, miss. Hi. Hello. Um, it's... Custom to bow before my lady. Oh, um, I bent awkwardly, in what felt like a bow, and then sat down in the chair that Reggie indicated. Lady Lutrec donned a deep purple velvet dress and wore her curly hair in a tussled bun. She looked like a feast, like the nice food and rich meats that you only pulled out on special occasions, but with jewelry and in people form. I tugged on my dead people clothes, feeling mighty inadequate. What was your name, dear? Allie? Right. Allie, I have come to understand that you have admitted to aiding the notorious bandits Joe and Graham and pillaging a cart alongside the road to Derry. And yet, you have denied acting as an accomplice. It's quite the paradox. Yeah, it's, uh, it's complicated and a little embarrassing. Do explain, dear. Well, I just left home for the first time a few days ago with my goat Granbauer and You I... travelled with a goat? Yes, his name's Granbauer. Anyway, I saw a broken cart on the side of the road a couple days back, and two flustered old people who needed help. 
I didn't know who they were. They seemed nice and, and friendly, and they asked for help. If I had had one whiff of what they were up to, you can sure as heck bet I wouldn't have helped them. But you did help them. Yes, but, but under false pretenses. Listen, they took everything I owned and left me in the woods to die. I want them to be found as much as you do, if not more. They took my best friend. I was going to follow after them when your men here picked me up. But please, I, I did not do anything wrong. I'm, I'm far from home, and I'm broke, and I, I just want to get my friend back. Please, let me go. Hmm. Naive young thing. I will be glad to set you free, so long as you provide me with some answers. Really? I suspect losing your goat friend is punishment enough, and will teach you better judgment on the road. Now, did Joe and Graham give you any indication of where they were going? No, they just said they were heading home, but that was obviously a lie like everything else. They said they came from Dolfries, so they probably won't be heading east again. I should think not. The merchant whose cart they ransacked was found bound and gagged in the woods, not far from where you found it. He has personally posted a warrant of 500 silver pieces for their capture. 500? Oh my gosh, what else have they done? It is a long list. Robbery, battery, assault, larceny, libel, forgery, suspected arsonry. Nudity. Nudity is a crime. When you've stolen the lady's pearls, it is. George? No one needs to speak of that. (laughs) Needless to say, there are many among us who would personally wish to see the pair behind bars. Or dangling from a rope. George, will you kindly shut it? Sorry. Lady Latrec asked me more questions, and I told her what I could, which wasn't much. At least she seemed convinced that I had truly bumbled my way into the crime, and was overall innocent. In fact, she seemed like a generally intelligent, compassionate person, and I felt my admiration growing for her as we talked. But then again, I had felt similarly for Joe and Graham, and no longer trusted my judgment. When she had finished with the interrogation, she asked me one last question. Do you have a place to stay in Derry? No. Well then, in thanks for your cooperation, I will provision a room at an inn for you these next few nights, so you may have a chance to plan out your next steps. It is our experience with crime in the city that a criminal set free with no support is more likely to commit crime again. If we are to set a bread stealer free on an empty belly, chances are we shall find him with another loaf in hand. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. George here will show you into town. Uh, Can Reggie show me? I I suppose... But thank you for your help, dear. May you avoid such future troubles on the road ahead. Thank you, milady. I rose and bowed awkwardly again. Recent ill judgment aside, I still liked her. Good day. Reggie led me out of the room and returned my bedroll, clothes, and the tales of Galena the Great before guiding me out of the castle barracks and into town. The fortress sat upon a notable rise and had a commanding view of the city. I could see the gate through which we'd entered the city the previous day, and noticed that the city was built as a series of ringed roads encircling the castle. The houses in the inner ring were massive, and the shops nearest to the castle showcased lavish furniture, clothing, jewelry, and and millinery from gabled windows. The people spoke with lofty accents, and were dressed in bright colors with fine handiwork. And there were elves! And dwarves? And and beings that I wasn't quite sure what to call! The city had brought together people from all over the country. 
and I marveled as I walked past my first real-life dwarf. What are you looking at? Oh, sorry, <laughs> I thought you were someone else. <laughs> as we walked further from the castle, I noticed that the shops and houses became more modest, and the people less flashy. It was still much more grand and fancy than what I was used to in Fribbleshire, but it was clear that the city was richer closer to the hill and poorer closer to the gates. Reggie and I ended up somewhere in the middle, at an inn called the Old Man's Gimmick. A swinging wooden sign dangled outside the wooden steps, depicting a jolly old man with a great fluffy beard and a long puffy pipe. We stepped inside, and I felt instantly relaxed. The pub had walls made from a golden-colored wood, and a great roaring hearth burned in the center of the room. A pig roasted over the flames and gave off a heavenly aroma, and families and friends chatted merrily around the many tables and booths. Be right back. Reggie walked over to the bar and spoke to a young woman with curly dark hair. The two other women behind the counter came to listen as well, and the three all stared at me and, and smiled when Reggie pointed in my direction. One of the women, a lithe blonde lass with blue eyes, even waved. I felt myself blush from the attention and amused myself by perusing the books landing a small shelf. Soon, Reggie returned to me with a key. Here you are, miss. Room six. I told the ladies a story, and I'll make sure to look after you till you get on your feet. Wow, I'm surprised more people don't commit crimes if this is how you treat criminals. Like I said, other people doing wrong don't mean we can't do right. And people don't do wrong when they've been treated right. Best of luck, miss. Best of luck, Reggie. Thanks. When Reggie left, one of the women, the dark curly-haired one, approached me and asked, Are you hungry? Starved, actually. Ali, is it? Yeah. Well, then come over to the bar, Ali. And I'll fix you a plate. You like an ale, then? Or perhaps a dram of whiskey? Sounds like you've had a long day. Oh, uh, an ale is plenty, thanks. Right. Well, my name's Rose. If you've been eating anything, you just let me or one of my sisters know, you hear? I will. Uh, ac actually, um... Yes, dear? Um, <laughs> I'm not from here, uh, and I don't, I don't really understand what's going on. I woke up in, in jail this morning, and now I'm being treated like a queen. Am I still in trouble? Is this, like, happy jail? Oh, no, love. My sisters and I have made it a point to help out people who are in a bad spot. We were young and wild, too, once. Made our fair share of mistakes. It's been years we've been taken in strays like yourself. Our way of paying back those who took us in when we were in trouble. She dipped an earthware tankard into a barrel of golden ale and set it on the bar for me. Back in a wink with your food. The food was delightful. And the three sisters even more so. I spent much of my meal wondering what I had done to deserve something so nice. And then I remembered that I had been betrayed, left in the woods to die, had all of my possessions stolen, my best friend was lost, and I had no money and no plan. So it almost balanced out. I figured I'd have an easy night and start figuring out my next steps in the morning. I was nearly finished eating when a man walked into the pub and sat down beside me at the bar. He looked careworn and troubled. He set down a bronze piece. An ale, please. The blonde sister, Frankie, filled the tankard and set it down for him. What calls you to the pint this evening? My parents. Oh no, not again. Again. The man drank half the ale in one swig. <coughs> Sounds like you need a whiskey. Rose came over and poured him a dram. The man knocked it back and set it on the bar. <sighs> Thanks, Rosie. Sure thing, love. You need anything, Ali? Oh, I'm good. Thanks. 
The man was obviously a regular, and I felt that if the sisters liked him, eh, then maybe I'd like him too. It looked like he needed some cheering up. Hi, do you mind if I ask what's wrong? <laughs> not really. Most of the town knows anyway. Why not you? It's my parents. They're in some trouble again. Always bad for business when they're in trouble. That sounds rough. Uh, what kind of trouble? Robbery. Oh, oh no. Their house? Or this business you spoke about? <laughs> that would be for the better, I think. But no. They are the robbers. Wait. Who are your parents? <laughs> You're not from around here, are you? No, no, I, I'm, I'm travelling through, if, if that's what you'd call it at this point. That sounds nice. Get away from it all. The man drained the rest of his ale as I waited patiently. My parents are the notorious criminals, Joe and Graham. Or the jolly robbers, as they like calling themselves. The ale in my mouth spewed out in a golden fountain and splattered the poor man's tunic. Watch it! Joe and Graham? Joe and Graham are your parents? Yeah, what of it? I'm the person they robbed! Well, one of them. Oh, God, I'm sorry. They took my goat! And all my money? And my trust! They stole my trust! Um, I'm really sorry. Truly, I am. All the anger I had felt since waking up that miserable morning when they'd gone flooded back at once. I wanted to punch this man. His family had stolen Granbauer, my best friend. I wanted to punch him, and I wanted to shake him, and I wanted to kick him, and I wanted to yell at him, but I stared at the sorrow in his eyes and remembered he didn't do it. It wasn't his fault. It was his parents, and he wasn't them. So he didn't deserve to be punched or shaken or kicked or yelled at. I vented some of my anger in heavy breaths and threw back the last of my ale. Then we both sat in silence, boring holes into our tankards with our eyes, filled with grief, sorrow, and anger. The third sister, Talia, the, the tallest of the three with honey-brown hair, had overheard our exchange and approached the bar. She took our tankards, dipped them in the barrel, and set them back on the counter. Now, I don't condone drowning out sorrow with drink, but perhaps tonight... A pint can be a peacemaker. This one's on me. Talia's broad face lit up with a quick smile, and she left the two of us to ourselves. <sighs> I'm Allie. Allie Odds. I'm Grint. Just Grint. I reached for my ale and held it out towards Grint. We eyed each other for a moment, and then he raised his as well. We clinked our tankards together and took a sip. So, how did you have the misfortune of meeting my parents? I told him my story. Everything since leaving home, up until arriving at the old man's gimmick. It surprised me how long it took to tell him everything, and to reflect on just how much I'd encountered in the mere week since I'd left home. Grint listened patiently, and asked questions when I'd veered off track. And then I told him about home. About Jamie, and Mom, and Bertram, and his books, and, and the herbs hanging from the rafters, and, and Mrs. Morris licking her paws in the loft, and the smell of lemon balm in the morning. I missed them. I missed it all. And I even did miss the smell of cow poop in the morning. Just a little. But I did. And I started to weep. Grint slid his chair closer to mine and put a hand on my shoulder. We both took another swig of ale. It seemed to relax our feeling muscles. 
Well, at least you've got a family to go back to. I mean, my parents are... Well, you met them. You think they wanted kids? Most of my life was spent in and out of other people's homes, in orphanages and poor houses, while mum and dad were off stealing and thieving. A few times they'd come and get me, and it felt like the sun was finally going to rise in my life. But then as soon as they'd used me for whatever job they were after, it was back to an orphanage or a cousin's house, and the clouds would roll over again. Wish they'd just get locked up for good. Leave me in peace! Another swig of ale. What different lives we had. Polar opposites in some ways, and yet here we were. In the same town, at the same pub, feeling the same amount of unhappy. His sadness over Joe and Graham made me feel sad about my sadness over Joe and Graham, so we both just sat there and cried. If we could stop him, I said. How? I don't know yet. Well, they took my best friend, Granbauer, and I'm going to get him back. And I will find a way to bring them to justice. Well, you think you can bring them to justice when they've squirmed their way out of every guard's hand from here to the Great Forest? Well, I think I can try. And where are you going to start, then? Well, first, I need to make some money. And maybe I'll buy a horse, and then I can ride the horse and catch them faster because I'll be on a horse. Am I talking weird? I'd never really drank potent beer before. At home, beer was simply a means of safe drinking water. Kids drank it same as adults, and no one got out of hand unless they really tried. Me? Well, I'd certainly never tried. And the airy sensation in my head and body was a novelty. My tongue felt silly, and my fingertips wanted to twiddle and touch things. I continued, So all I gotta do is track them down and get them with my sword that I will have someday, and then deliver them to the king. Or no, ooh, to Lady Latrec. Have you met her? She's cool. I, I like her, and, and I think they stole her pearls while she was naked, or someone was naked. I don't really know, but there was nudity, which is apparently bad here. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a really good plan. Right? No, <laughs> but I think I can help with at least the first part of your plan. With a horse? No, the money. Honest pay for honest work. I'm a cobbler. And I could use help dealing with customers so I can keep doing the hard work without a thousand questions. Really? I could be a shoemaker's assistant? That sounds exciting to you. Not especially, but cool! Well, I see it as the least I can do to make up for what my parents took from you. Help you get back on your feet. Which could use new boots, by the way. That would be lovely. The work, the money, the boots, all of it. When I start. I mean... Uh, when, when do I start? How about tomorrow morning? I'm sure one of the sisters here would be willing to show you the way to me shop. He shot a look at Talia, who was nearby and had heard him speak. I rested my head on the bar, and I listened to them chat. I'd be happy to. Got some errands to run in the morning anyways. Thanks, Talia. You want her there at sunup? Nah, let her sleep a bit. I think she'll need it. I sure do. I'd say so. Off to bed with you now, love. I'll get you in the morning for breakfast. Okie doke. I slumpled out of my chair and gave Grint a hug. I waved at Talia and Frankie and Rose, and then headed up to room six. Good night, Ali. Good night, Ali. Ali. Good night, Ali. Good night. As I lay down on the fluffy warm bed, I cracked open the tails of Galena the Great and smiled. I'm coming for you, Gran. Just you wait.
Thanks for listening to Alley Odds and the Alley Odds Squad. I'm Leona Cara. And don't forget, you can still be like an old school renaissance patron and support an artist like me in creating more art for people like you by visiting patreon.com forward slash alleyodds. And I hope you are having a magical day wherever you are, whoever you are. And I'll hope to see you around the fire for episode four, The Stinky Boot Blues. Blues.